I am really excited about my next interview. We have the opportunity of discussing the future of South African business and partnerships with two heavy hitters locally. We have with us Vadisha Pruthbiraj, who's the CEO and chairperson of LexisNexis South Africa. She comes with a wealth of experience in local business. She's here to represent the voice of the business leader out there in South Africa who's currently looking for cool ways to expand their business, to grow their business. And then, of course, we have the Chief Operating Officer of SAP Africa, Tracy Bolton, another heavy hitter in the business, someone who really understands the SAP value proposition, really knows what it's like to partner with SAP right from the inside. And she's going to give us a tremendous amount of insight on what it takes to become an SAP partner. With that in mind, I can't wait to get into the conversation. Okay, so let's start with Vidisha. Tell us about your background. My first foray out of KwaZulu-Natal was moving to Johannesburg uh, at the tender age of 21 uh, and then had a great career. I ended up being the youngest client delivery executive in the history of EDS. And then I was um, actually headhunted by Microsoft where I met Tracy uh, and uh, had a great career there, had two kids, did some a lot of growing up, a huge learning uh, curve for me and uh, eventually ended up as the managing director for Intel South Africa and spent 12 amazing years there uh, working on everything from product development all the way to running the data center group uh, for EMEA and then I moved to LexisNexis and I'm now the CEO and chairperson of the board. Uh, at LexisNexis South Africa. Do you want to give us your story? Sure. Thanks, Christian. So I'm the Chief Operating Officer for SAP Africa. We look after all the English and Portuguese-speaking countries. And um, I've been here for 10 years doing different roles in the IT industry for the last 25 years. So Badisha and I know each other for a long time as well. It's a small industry. And it's just been the most amazing journey so also done, I've done very, a lot of roles, um, overall. And what that's given me is the ability to really understand the end-to-end business processes, the operational side, and also to understand some of the pains our customers go through. Um, I've, before I joined the multinational side of IT, I also spent some time with the smaller, um, system builders. And that has its unique challenges as well. So love, thank you for having us. Love to be here. Let's start talking about the context right here. Tracy, do you want to give us some of your interpretation of what's going on? Sure. I think it's tough, to be honest. It's really tough out there. I think the average individual, small businesses and big customers are really battling with the changes that are occurring, driven from COVID, driven from the economic challenges, the demands that they're getting from customers, the whole economic environment's hard. And then you look at the electricity issues that we're having, that's driving a whole different discussion all by itself. What about you, Vidish? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think just on the electricity issue, I mean, add COVID to that, and that really shows resilience. I mean, I think South African business leaders, like you say, have had to be very innovative in trying to figure out how do you have a remote workforce and deal with electricity issues at the same time. So, yeah, I think... You know, for me, I am an optimist, to, to be honest. So I find it's easier to look on the, the, the positive side of things. And yes, we do have many challenges in our country. Let's be honest. There's, you know, GDP is not where we'd like it to be at. Unemployment is at an all-time high. Um, you know, we've got issues from a macro perspective, from a socioeconomic perspective, with civil unrest, etc. So there is a lot of doom and gloom, uh, unfortunately. And I think that's the, the, the challenge that all business leaders face in our country is how do we traverse through all of that and keep a workforce happy at the same time and still be competitive 
in the market. So it really comes to, uh, you know, what really comes to mind is for me is how do you partner better and how do you create or use tools? And like I said, I'm a techie at heart. So, you know, it's all about how do we really enable what we need through technology and through tool sets and through uh, opportunities that we never thought of before. I think the challenges have forced us to really look at outside of the box solutions and not just organic sort of growth as, as we think of it, but how do you really um, almost disrupt yourself or find partners that are very disruptive that make sure you stay on that cutting edge and you're not losing your place in the market. So lots of opportunity, but uh, lots of challenges. But for me, I really do believe that it is the partners or the companies that find the opportunity in the challenge. I think in Africa, you know, we always say um, necessity is the mother of all innovation and invention. And there's no other place that that's more real than for us here. Because, you know, we really have been great at coming up with solutions to our challenges. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of doom and gloom, but for me, a lot of opportunity that that spells if you are looking in in the right places and using the right tool sets. Any comment about our KZN counterparts and what's going on down there? Yeah, it has been really difficult. We've seen it. I think all companies have been hit, whether from a revenue perspective, but also from an employee perspective. I mean, the mental health issues that started in COVID have really exacerbated because, like you say, it's pounding after pounding. So there's right. no end to it, unfortunately. And so I think for businesses, the challenge has been not just keeping businesses afloat. It's about also taking care of your employees from a you know, psychological perspective and a mental health perspective. And also, how do you grow your business in that kind of disturbance uh, that's happening? So I think that's been really challenging uh, for the people in, in that region. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I see, we're seeing a lot of stress on our employees and on our customers' employees. Mm. And we really, we've turned um, ourselves to technology to help manage some of that. First of all, to get a baseline, where are you? Then put in some programs to actually help them. And with our customers, you know, it's not just about the individuals. It's also about some risk management. How do you actually put something in place to proactively check on where are your employees when disaster strikes? How can you be pred predictive and really look into your data as well and put a, put a few solutions in place to actually mitigate some of those risks, make sure your employees are happy, make sure you take care of your customers as well. If we think of Natal, think of all that disruption on the supply chain. A lot of our big retailers that we deal with have been able to really switch into different warehouses to make sure that they actually then support their customers really quickly. And that you can only do when you've got technology in place so that they know where their stock is, how they're going to reroute everything and make sure that that whole supply chain actually continues. In amongst all of this difficulty, in amongst all of the power supply issues, the floods, <laughs> some of the unrest, all of that, how do we still get that 360 degree view of the customer and serve them and give them what they're looking for? So I'll start with saying that uh, data is the new oil, right? You need to understand your customer from every single angle. And that means collecting the data points in your own systems, outside of your systems, in your customer systems, and really getting it in one place. So that gives you the 360-degree view. Then you need to be able to have a way to analyze it and then react on it and make decisions. Mm -hmm. So it's no point having the data if you don't use it, and there's no point in having bad data either. So it really is about that end-to-end -end picture, first of all, and then you need to make sure that every single person in your company actually reacts accordingly based on that customer's view. So you need to know what the customer wants, when they want it, how they want it. And then from your customer service all the way through to your delivery guy, 
or your recycling team actually understands what that customer's needs are and reacts accordingly. Mm. And it's tough. It's not an easy job. Um, I think that we are a little bit behind in South Africa, especially with our Puppy Act being only really legislated a couple of years ago. And a lot of us are still learning how to adapt with some of the rules and the restraints around Puppy because you can't just do what you want to with the data anymore. Mm. You now need to do it in a way that is legally um, allowed. And the customers, though, want to have the right thing at the right time. So they expect you to have the 360-degree view, but in a way that they like to have it done and with the consent given. And then, uh, Vidish, what are your thoughts? I mean, as as a business leader out there growing um, a company, growing a brand that's very strong, but yet is still very South African in its roots and Mm. its uh, presence locally, how are you getting this right? Yeah, I think for us, it's like Tracy said, it is that the customer at the heart of everything that you do. It's that 360 view. It's not just sales or just after sales. It's how do you make sure it's embedded into the culture of the business? And that's the starting point for me. And then, I mean, as a business owner, I, as a customer, want hyper-personalization. I want you know, if an SAP is offering me a service, I want to see that they know me just beyond what I buy for them and what I use that for. They need to understand um, my culture and my company. How do I procure things? What is important to me? What are my visions? What are my aspirations as a company? And I think that's really become a lot more complicated for suppliers in the industry. And I'm a supplier as well to my customers. And it's been a huge learning curve in that I think it's consumers and as customers, we want that personalization. And like Tracy said, there's all these ethical dilemmas around what are you allowed to use this data for and what format, etc. So we want the personalization, but we don't necessarily want to feel as if our data is being used in an inappropriate manner. Standards are really good in general in our country. And I think it's the, the real differentiator now is going to lie on who treats the customer better. Yeah. And how you go about it, that's up to you. Yeah. So, so let's just get some thoughts going on that. Yeah, I think it's about delighting your customer. You can't delight your customer if you don't know them beyond wanting to sell them something, right? Right. So creating a fan base is about loyalty and it's about repetitive purchases. And I think, you know, the data shows that even in B2B transactions, that first order that you get doesn't cover the cost of that order. So you have to ensure repeat business. Uh, and, and that's really creating fans is important then for the, the sustainability of a business. Um, so yeah, I think when you, when you talk about creating fans, it's about that holistic experience that you're, that you're giving to your customer. You know, it's no longer about here's a tool, use it and, you know, let me know what you think. It's about Here's a tool. Let me help you use it. So I'd like to take it one step further. It's not also about understanding the product and the solutions and what it brings, but it's also about bringing best practices Mm. from other organizations. So if we look at some of the best practices SAP brings, it's around industry-specific processes, as an example. So we'd like to speak to you and not just say this is what the solution can do, but we can also say, well, these are some of the processes that can enhance and make your operations more efficient, actually bring more profitability to you and make you more sustainable in some cases. So it's it's really gone beyond just yes. product and services, as you mentioned earlier. It is now about adding that business value yeah. that's not just for me, but for you and your your customer and your consumer. So it really is an end-to-end value chain now. And that is very valuable because I think as a business leader, you don't have the time necessarily to go educate yourself on all the you know best-known methods and the best practices 
across industries. And also, mm-hmm. I always say you can't make all the less all the mistakes that everybody has made before you. You know, you don't have enough time, unfortunately. So it's always important when you have uh, partners that bring that to the table because you're not wasting that time. You're spending your time on your core business, which is important. Absolutely. Core business is where you should focus. And then you partner with partners. And whether that be one or two partners, what we're seeing is that the ecosystem of partners is expanding. So most technology solutions now, you can't do it alone. You do it with a multitude of partners, whether it be a sensor device um, organizations and you do IoT. Yes. You know, so that is a three-way partnership that goes with it. You work with the advisors, you work with the implementation partners, you work with OEMs, and together you bring the best solution mm-hmm. forward. It's collaboration, right? right? I think the days where everybody tried to be the only one is really gone. Absolutely. You know, the business landscape has gotten so complicated for business owners that you you need more than one voice in your ear. Uh, and so I always say it's like a puzzle and you've got to find all the pieces that fit your puzzle. Right. And then it, it's a magnificent, you know, masterpiece. But finding the pieces sometimes is the hard bit because it's a lot of trial and error. And so having... I always look for partners that are tried and tested, you know, that have reputation because I can't really afford to POC. I do, to be honest. You know, you've got to be a little bit disruptive and do some some things that are out of the box. But when it comes to some of your core stuff, you really want to go with what's trial and tested because you don't have the time to make all the mistakes on your own. What is your practical advice right now to a Varna or a Cindy who's listening right now? I always say when it comes to technology, it's never the cost of uh, adopting technology. It's actually the cost of not adopting technology. Because unfortunately, in today's world, if you're not using technology, and that means you're not leapfrogging and you're not moving as fast as you could, you're going to get left behind. Uh, and, you know, you either disrupt or you get disrupted at the end of the day. So I know that there's a lot of varners that kind of sit there and go, oh, can I afford this? Uh, the question is, can you afford not to? Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, there's so many steps, right? I mean, Wagner could start with something really basic, uh, you know, as in getting to know his customer better if he's not done that already or taking the first step towards a, a platform or a, a more techno- digital first sort of, of mindset. So you don't have to start at the, at, the, at the bleeding edge of technology with all the sensors and the IoT built in. You can start somewhere, but you've got to start because if you don't start, I promise you, you will not be here for very long. Right. So practically, I would first of all pick a partner, right? So work with somebody that you trust, somebody who's done it before, and they can generally give you an advice on that journey. So what is your starting point? Where do you want to end? And then the steps in between. Generally, your central point of contact is your customer database. And that could be stored in one or many different places. You want to pull all of that data into one central place and then have a bit of an analytics tool on top so that you can actually analyze your data. Then you put a marketing platform on that to automate some of the marketing activities using the data you've got, either in a way that is um, done on a timely basis or you can start to build in some predictive, saying if they buy this, this is what you want to actually start promoting because based on historical analysis, generally somebody would add this to their basket, as an example. You also want to make sure then all your peripherals or your edge technology starts to be incorporated into one single platform so that if you speak to your customer in the call center, it flags it on that central record. So every time that customer is touched, whichever um, platform it's on, 
you actually update it in that central record. So anybody looking at that customer can look and see when did they speak to somebody, what did they buy, what did they complain about on social media, what did they comment. Everything should be in one central view to make it really easy. Again, it's a journey. So it's not, as Vadisha mentioned, yeah. something that happens overnight. But there's lots of tools out there and there's lots of advice from reputable partners and OEMs who can help you on that journey. What can you say to the people that may not have that background? So I would say, first of all, stick to your core business. You don't need to know anything else. Partner with somebody who can help you with the technology side. So honestly, you know your business processes. You know what you need to do. The business partners can come in and actually then help make that technologically sound, right? So they can take those processes that you like to do, put it into a system. They can, again, they can advise you. So you as a business owner don't need to worry about that, to be honest. As long as you partner with somebody that is trustworthy, who's been in the business, you can bring best practices to the table. I think that will take a lot of the weight off the decisions and make it easy. And if we look at technology today, most of it is really easy. Look at the stuff you use on your phone. And most platforms, including the ones from SAP, are actually easy to use and adopt. And you can use them on your phone so they look like any other platform. It's an app in most cases, is your interface. So you don't have to be scared of it. It really, in the back end, everything happens and all the workflows happen. In the front end, you see a quick app and you can interact. How do we get South Africans to start seeing that it's okay to think about partnering possibly with SAP when they've been running a successful consulting practice to do with um, understanding customers and customer growth strategies? They run a successful practice. How do we get them to become more comfortable? Uh, with partnering and approaching SAP, because the idea is that, but we don't have 20 developers um, sitting on our site. How do we partner with you? Sure. So the first thing is SAP's got many different kinds of partnerships because we understand the dynamics. It's not one size fits all. It really is about finding the unique partnership for the individual company. So we've got partnerships that you can build apps for your phone. That can be a, a small size um, company. You've got SIs who do implementations. You've got um, partners that want to sell. And they might only want to sell in a certain element of our product solution. So maybe only CRM, for example, or maybe HR for the employee engagement. So we have many different platforms that they can use. And then we have other partnerships which we actually just partner partners with partners so that they can work to, together. Because at the end of the day, not everybody can do everything. And we know that it's very complicated, this end-to-end -end cycle now, and you want to be able to leverage off each other's expertise. So we have the ability to partner partners with partners and partner with us on different programs. And we consult with them. So practically, if they want to get involved, they go onto our website, they apply, and then we have a consultation with them to see what fits. Because again, we need to find that it works for them and for us and for our customers. How do you respond to the proposition that um, a company like SAP could provide you know, a place for you in the ecosystem? Is it something that's just, you know, welcoming to you? Or do you feel you're going to want to assess more or figure out more? How do, how do you respond to that? As a business owner, you always need to assess more and, and you need more. So you want partners that are open to the conversation, first and foremost. But I think as a business leader, it's always about the bottom line. And, you know, when you talk about professional, so somebody that, that's a professional service provider, it's about billable hours. And if somebody can show me that I can provide more billable hours by taking away some of the uh, work that I do by using technology to either automate a workflow or to uh, use technology to automate a process for me, and that gives me more billable hours, which ultimately goes to my bottom line, that's the conversation I'm going to be interested in. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a reality. You know, partnering is great, 
but it has to add value at the end of the day for me. Um, and it has to be a shared vision. I mean, obviously, SAP wants something as a company. You know, their end goal is something. And they, my end goal has to match with that end goal, which I think is what Tracy's saying. There's something for everybody. So I'd be open to the conversation. Uh, but I think as all business leaders out there will say to you, it's what are you going to do for my bottom line, whether it's my economic bottom line, my social bottom line, or my environmental bottom line, how are you going to help me create more equity for my business? Right. Right. I couldn't agree more. And that is one of the reasons we consult up front. We want to make sure that our partners are going to be profitable at the end of the day, because it might take them a bit of time to scale up mm -hmm. and to get the, the right customers on their side. And we don't want it to be a difficult journey. So we want to make sure that they prepare, that we prepared, and then we have a real good, deep business plan to be profitable together. Because it is scary. You think of Cindy or of Arna, you know, you're changing a business model that's almost tried and tested, but you understand you have to because of the fourth industrial revolution and all these, you know, these days companies spin up overnight. You know, you, I call them the, 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 the guys you don't, you know, you know your competitors, the ones that you play with in the marketplace, but you don't know the ones that are working in that garage and tomorrow they've taken your breakfast from you. So, you know, you've got to figure out as a business leader where to place your bets. So for me, it's the companies that are kind of taking something that's almost a burden to me today and creates more space for me to focus on my core business, like you were saying. That's what I'm looking for. What are your thoughts for the market out there that doesn't see what they don't see? Sure. So firstly, from a statistical point of view, 80% of the world's companies actually run on SAP. It's generally in the background and you don't see it. And our vision is really to help the world run better. So that's our kind of overarching statement. And if you look down then into the detail, it's about making in intelligent enterprises. And that incorporates the HR component, the procurement component, a whole network of supply chain, the ERP side, and then we've got a whole platform that integrates it underneath. So we've got big components that really it is end-to-end -end in any organization. And we're finding that the more you can get all of those components together, and make the operational efficiency better by aligning the different processes with central databases. All of that streamlines and makes companies more effective. So we feel at SAP, we really can do it end to end. We don't necessarily do that in all cases, depends on the customer's strategy, but we have got many, many solutions that can really help a customer from the beginning of their journey all the way through to the end. Let's just say there's a company out there that's focusing on, let's just take HR, for example. Um, how do you respond to the idea that that person feels that they can't really work with SAP because they're so deeply specialized in one component of um, employee engagement? What's your response to that? So the good thing about our solutions is that it's modular. So you can start the journey anyway and end the journey anyway. And each partner that wants to engage with us can choose to do just one of those modules because there's many customers out there who are different levels of maturity. So if you just specialize in recruitment, as an example, we've got a module in one of our solutions called Success Factors that focuses just on that. Or if you want to look at um, retention, we've got a module on that, or learning, or performance management. So you don't have to take the whole end-to-end -end journey. You can choose one of the modules that are most important for you, and you can focus on that. And if then your customer wants to go on to the next leg, and you don't have the speciality, you can partner with somebody else to do that. So say you have a person out there who's doing some kind of recruitment work, they're specialists in recruitment, they could then possibly come, come in, partner with SAP on a recruitment module, mm -hmm. and they could take that service to their customers. 
And then they could add a technology piece to the existing offering that they might not be able to do right now. So that would be the summary of it. 100%. And that's also extending their business model. So instead of just doing recruitment, you do recruitment as a service, as an example, building in their technology aspect to make some of the steps a little easier. There's this idea that if we automate too much and if we go ahead and we start automating all of these functions within client organizations, we are going to lose headcount. How do you respond to that as a leader? I mean, as, a, as in my business, we've really embarked on an automation drive. Uh, and I can tell you, we've not lost a single person to automation. In fact, we've had to hire people because we've moved up the value chain then in the kinds of services that are required from us. So yeah, I do agree when people have, get quite tender about the, the subject. But uh, for me, automation is really about how do we optimize something? Uh, and that's what business is about. It's about creating efficiencies, especially in the non-core areas, so that you can reuse those resources. I always say to people, never be afraid of automation because you're freeing yourself up to do something else that's higher up the value chain. So it's really automation for me is about taking care of the mundane day-to-day -day stuff that really as a business, you shouldn't be putting so much of resource into. So for me, automation is a necessity as you move forward. And I've, I've really been, it's been such a pleasure to see our people grow in the process because they've given, once you get over the fear, because mm. there is a human fear of I'm going to lose my job. And some of them have jobs for lives because all this IP that just sits there that only they know about. Uh, but you've also got to, as a business, then show them the future to kind of say to them, if we automate this, we're freeing up your time to do this instead. And we've had to retrain people, you know, who did really mundane jobs, but they're now really up the value chain and they're creating value. They're not just, you know, producing something basic. So I think automation is, is a, you're going to see a lot more of it. it. You know, it's one of those, once again, if you can't afford to not do it at the end of the day yeah. as a business leader. And to build on that, when you take away some of the mundane jobs, you actually remove some of the mistakes that happen. Yeah. You also reduce the risk of fraud. And hopefully by putting all of that together, you actually increase the opportunity and get a, a higher return. Then you're able to grow your business mm -hmm. as opposed to shrinking it. I agree, though. Training is cool. So you've got change management is probably yeah. one of the issues you have to deal with. So people aren't scared. And you do have to train the individual. So if they've been doing a very manual intervention, you probably need to do some training into something else. Mm -hmm. And we see that across the board. So even the very experienced techies are having to retrain themselves. So it's not about getting stuck in what you do. And I, when I was running the COE, you had to speak about train yourself in the swim lane next door. And then the next door. So you don't need to move totally away from your expertise, but you just build on that experience all the time. And it's an ongoing development that we as a country have to embark on or we will be left behind. And actually, our manufacturing plants that are very manual will just actually get overrun by the cheaper imports. But if we can actually automate some of our processes, some of our systems, we can actually then start to compete with the international world again and actually start to become exporters instead of net importers. This idea of automating everything, having proper policy, having everything embedded in a system and with documentation, downloading the rules from someone's head and building it into some kind of systemized decision making, not always welcomed by yeah. South African leaders. So what's your response to that? I couldn't agree more. I think we like to think of ourselves as different. And to be honest, I get that same response from almost every single company in Africa. They say we are different. The reality is every single company has a uniqueness about them, and that's what gives them their value proposition. But technology can help them 
And if they don't get on board, they are going to be left behind. Mm. And we're seeing that all over. I mean, there's many examples where customer, where companies didn't change, Kodak, Nokia, just to name a few, and they're not on the top 500 anymore. <laughs> they're and not if, around anymore. They're not around at all. <laughs> and if you look at the, where, who is sitting on the top 500, a lot of those companies didn't even exist a couple of years yeah. ago. So it's very disruptive. You look at Airbnb. Who would have thought that a couple of years ago that you could rent out your house and make money kind of in a hotel space on a platform and you didn't own a single hotel? So that disruptive nature is something that's a reality. And the quicker you can grasp it and actually build on top of it, the easier it will be for you. And you'll see your company grow. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's key to keep that thing that makes you unique. Because that, that is your competitive advantage. So you'd see where you're automating. You're not necessarily automating that thing that gives you that niche. That secret sauce. That secret sauce, you keep it. That's your core, but well, hopefully that's the core business. Um, other than that, you have to, as a business, create economies of scale and efficiencies to create to reuse resources in a more efficient manner. So it makes sense. Uh, so we're, we're definitely never going to give up our uniqueness as South Africans. We like doing things a little bit different. What are some of your thoughts about the prospects of manufacturing here? I think the barriers to entry, like you say, are high. And I think traditionally it's been high because of the huge outlay costs. I mean, setting up a plant. I, I have a manufacturing plant, so I can tell you it's not easy. It's not cheap, that, that's for sure. But I do feel like it, I wouldn't think it's gotten to the point where you can almost say it's been commoditized for sure. But it's definitely gotten easier to become a manufacturer in, if you look at technology. So 3D printing and all of these things that come into the equation has lowered those barriers to entry into the industry. So I sometimes think it's a mindset shift that needs to happen for us because we've always just thought, oh, it's the large guys that can do this. So I think there is a space for small and medium companies to definitely get into uh, manufacturing. And it is lucrative if you look at the margins that you can produce if you deliver a a product that is excellent, uh, that it is quite lucrative as well. I think there's the challenges, though, that people don't necessarily think about. You know, I think of my plant, there's inventory issues, there's stock issues, there's capacity restraints. You know, you get we get like a big print run at some point of the year and you've got to, you know, be able to staff up and staff down. And then you've got... Um, uh, resource constraints as well, just within the, the industry, because you know, th there's a there's there are many skilled labor labor. There's not a, a large skilled labor force in that manufacturing industry, so you find they move around and they stay within it. So it's hard to attract talent. So I think those are the challenges. I wouldn't say the barriers to entry are the biggest challenge for manufacturing in South Africa. It's some of the other. Um, skill sets that you need around being able to manage your stock, your inventory. How do you keep your people motivated? Because it can be quite a mundane process. You know, it's not uh, always fun and exciting stuff that you're doing in a factory uh, setting. So I think those are the challenges that business leaders look uh, to solve. So I think we actually are underutilized as a country. We have the most amazing natural resources here. We do have a lot of labor available that needs some basic training. And we have the whole of the footprint of Africa that we could be exporting to. So I think as a, as a baseline, there's a lot of opportunity. And um, I agree with Fadisha. I think technology has made it a lot easier for the entry. So 3D printing, as an example, is a great example of a way to get in and also address some of the consumer's needs of having personalization. Mm. So if you look at, um, for example, some of the high brand 
uh, tackies, sneakers, whatever you want to call them, you can now go online and order your sneakers in the way you want it. Those are manufactured individually. What is stopping the local guys from putting up a small plant that gives a unique brand that you design looking African? I mean, that would be amazing. So I think there's a lot of opportunity that we are missing. And I think COVID has opened up even more doors because the supply chain is very constrained. Having to wait for your shipment to arrive mm. from overseas in containers, sit in the ports for a couple of weeks is really a, a bit of a hindrance. So if you can rather go online, look at the network, we have one available that you can see who's got stock, you find new suppliers that are available, you produce it locally, it's better for the economy as well, it's better for the environment, because you're not shipping it from another country, it's manufactured here. So all in all, I think the manufacturing space really needs, it has the opportunity to grow mm. because of all of those items I've mentioned, and it's a lot easier to do it. We, again, we have lots of best practices that can help them from a process. How do you set it up correctly so you don't get hit with constraints on either the resources of your employees or your actual stock? You know, those things that you can overcome it. And I think also the banking environment is a lot more open to giving loans actually to companies who are going to put something in place that is future-proofed. Um, it's based on technology, it's based on customers that they know are looking for something a bit more personal, and it's also helping the environment because it's local. What about um, the company then who has been working with manufacturers for many years servicing them? They could be, who knows, they could be, maybe they invented a little IoT sensor on a, on a production line, and that's the service they're currently selling to manufacturers. It could be um, someone of that, um, you know, with that kind of business. Equally, you could have someone who's a management consultant working with manufacturers today. Um, we, we, want, we want them to start getting excited about SAP if they're not excited about SAP, right? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? Sure. So I think the, for me, what excites me is when I hear reference stories. So I hear what other customers did, the success, the business value that it added, and then you get excited because you hear it from customers. You don't mm. necessarily want to hear it from me. Right, Because I can tell you and you think it's a sales pitch. But actually, when you hear it coming from another customer to say, this is what the technology did for me, that's when it makes a difference. So I think um, we've seen a lot of different references locally. And I'll give you an example. So of a manufacturer, if we look at um, Isuzu, they are a local manufacturing plant. They use our technology and they've recently just partnered with Dimension Data to put in a whole customer experience system. And they did that because they could see they needed to get closer to their customer. And they're seeing amazing results. And that's when it makes a difference is when you're hearing it from the customer. You don't really want to hear it from me. Right. I would love to just get your perspective on what for you a relevant partnership would be. So for me, uh, partnering is also very close to my heart. My MBA was a blueprint uh, for partnering because I really do believe in, in the, the spirit, but also the uh, benefits of partnering. For me, a relevant partnership is really one where there's a shared vision. And at the end of the day, I can see one plus one equals five. Uh, so it's mutually beneficial. And it's outside just the realm of, I have more revenue that's coming out of this transaction. It has to actually complement my business on many levels, in all levels, really, for you to become what I would call a trusted partner in my business. So yeah, being relevant to me is caring about my business uh, and my goals, not necessarily pushing somebody else's agenda or your agenda, you know, onto me. So um, that for me is, is a relevant partnership. It's one that really helps me create uh, impact in what I'm doing in the industry and helps me achieve my goals at the end of the day. What can you say 
that 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 gives credibility to the trust component behind the SAP brand. Sure. So first of all, we've been around for 50 years. So and in South Africa, actually for 30 years. So it's a long time. We wouldn't uh, be here if we didn't have that trusted brand. We have best practices from many different industries, from other customers, other partnerships, and we make sure that we do quite a intense due diligence with the partner to make sure that it is a win-win solution. Because we don't want to bring partners on board that don't have a great experience or don't necessarily understand what they're getting into. And we want to make sure that they are also profitable for the long term. Because there's a lot of work that goes into the partnership of onboarding a partner. And we don't want to just do it and then three months down the line, the partner decides it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. So we really take the time to go through that whole process quite in depth sometimes a bit painfully because we ask for quite a lot of information and we do a lot of discussion to make sure that it is a win-win scenario. And we also want to make sure that our partners carry the SAP brand to our customers correctly. So they need to know what they're doing. They need to understand our technology. They need to make sure that they're not over-promising, that they give the right message, the right advice to our customers as well. So it's really a three-way partnership that we're looking for as to our partners and our partners to our customers. And all three in that triangle really need to get benefit out of partnering. You've got this big international footprint. You've got quite an ecosystem that you've built. How is that beyond the obvious? How is that going to be valuable to the South African entity right the second established, credible, credible to their customers? How is this marriage right bringing all what you're bringing? Sure. So I think the first thing is that if they already got a customer base, they then have additional solutions and additional best practices and processes that they can then take to their customer base. So it ex helps them expand their current engagement model. We also then can help them once they grow and they establish some references, also touch base with additional customers outside of South Africa into Africa first and maybe the rest of the world. We are seeing that SAP skills globally are in short supply. So it really is a bit of a footprint for you to really grow your, your overall base outside of South Africa as well. And we bring that international footprint to, the, to all partners. Why would you still, despite that beautiful footprint you've built over many, many years, why would you still seek out a partnership? Because it's about future-proofing the business. I mean, we're not going to stand where we are today. We're always looking at how do we create more value for our customers. Um, and we're not silly enough to think that we can do it ourselves. So we want to bring more value to our customers. And one of the ways that we do that is through partnerships uh, at the end of the day. And yes, we, we know we are solid in our market, but we're always looking for new revenue models. And every business owner is going to tell you this. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I had in a previous business that I ran, I had a partner once come to me and say, you know, you've got all of this data, blah, 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 and analytics. And, and he was like, but you're missing out on this opportunity. And it wasn't even what we had partnered with him for. But to me, that was value. It was a blind side. It was because it wasn't my core business. I wasn't what I do in my day-to-day -day things. So I was almost blindsided by this wealth of resources that were sitting that I was paying for at that point. So for me, that's what partnering brings to you. It's You cannot be as arrogant as to think you have all the answers and you know what's coming and every customer need. And, you know, you, you keep your eye on the market and you keep your finger on the pulse, but you always need that ecosystem that is also feeding you information that's making sure that you are staying relevant and, you know, that you don't become, because I always say growth doesn't happen in a comfort zone. 
And I have to just add as well that SAP feels exactly the same way. We can't do it alone. Mm. Um, and that's one of the reasons we also have extended our build partnership, which is really about working with local partners who find maybe gaps in our technology for the specific localization needs. And they are able to then build on our platform, put it on our SAP store for the global environment. And we're seeing that's really working for us because we, we don't know everything either. Mm -hmm. So that localization and that uniqueness that somebody is able to spot, we have a platform that they can then take forward into the market. What are some of the, 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 the pros and cons perhaps of going to a provider that's built a more centralized platform that integrates and works with this plethora of applications out there. What are some of the, um, the benefits or even drawbacks, if we have to be honest about it? Sure. So I think the first thing is that if you're going for lots of different systems, it's not integrated. So your actual cost to integrate all of that is usually underestimated. Then you also have the skills. You need different skills for all the different solutions. And then you have to maintain all of those different systems to make sure that they're compliant, that they don't have risks, they're not hacked. So there's a lot of challenges with going for individual systems. Having one platform makes it easier for your IT team. It is easy to control, easy to upgrade, and it is built on best practice. So that's the benefits. In saying that, if you go for something though, if you are looking for an app for a very specific localized need, make sure that it's built on a platform that has already got built in um, integration Hooks is the easiest way to explain it to somebody right. who's not technical, that you literally can just plug it in and it runs through the same kind of rules that the rest of your system uses. Because that way you, don't, you actually um, avoid some of the issues that I spoke about earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used to be a, a SAP consultant and I think one of the, the things that I learned was customization is never a great thing. You know, you have areas, like Tracy said, where there's an absolute need for it. Uh, but as far as possible, vanilla, when it comes to, to platforms, is probably the best way to go at mm. the end of the day. Right. And what we're seeing is that actually cloud allows you to do that much better than it did before. Because mm. everything is centralized, it's on your standard platforms, and you do your development now outside of your core systems, but integrated into it. In the past, they used to customize in the systems, and it was a nightmare to manage and upgrade. So the world's moved on. Cloud gives you all the stability, all the TCO. And if you want those small apps on top, you do it outside of your core system just with seamless integration. We can't neglect the fact that SAP does in fact own quite a substantial customer base. So as a, you know, as a guy out there who could introduce a new solution into my business that I can take to my customers, uh, there is a value, I would say, if I'm, if I'm going to go ahead and sell RPA. Mm -hmm. There might be value in actually going with um, SAP given that that solution will then become integratable to a bigger current yes. uh, customer base. Mm -hmm. So so I don't have to necessarily go and knock, knock on doors from scratch, right? 100%. And most of our solutions, and if we look at BTP specifically, our business technology platform, if you develop on top of that, you don't just integrate with SAP. It also allows you to integrate with many of our other um, solutions out there. We partner with many of our providers, so we don't really work in isolation. So whether we're partnering with AWS, with Microsoft, with Google, we have a, we have many, many partners that we um, work with, and we make sure that we integrate with their solutions as well. So it's not like we just play alone. We make sure that we play as much as we can with other providers as well. What's your advice to that business owner right now who's going through all of these challenges that we mentioned earlier, that's going through some of the difficulty, you know, cash flow issues, et cetera, et cetera, and they're still thinking about partnership. They have a credible business locally. They have 
a great amount of vision for the future, but they want to they want to do things right. And sometimes there's a lot of trepidation and fear about jumping into bed with a big provider. What are your parting? What's your parting words for that for that individual? I would say it, be curious. You know, it costs you nothing. Do your analysis. Do your due diligence. Uh, I have found that going the tried and trusted route, especially at a foundational level, it's not where your you know your your competitive advantage lies. So if at a foundational technology level. Um, it does help to partner, I would think, but you know it's easy for me to say it. And like Tracy said, talk to other business owners in your industry because you will then understand who the market leaders are, who knows the industry best. So talk to your your peers that are in your industry and understand who are they using and who has actually proven to be impactful in that industry, not just from providing some sort of platform, but from actually adding value. Because we have to get to that point where partners are adding value. Uh, whether it's at company, industry, or country level. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's the thing. It's, it's like focus on your core business. That's what you get paid to do as a business leader um, is really build your, your core business and think about how you're going to either outsource or partner or create joint ventures or collaborate outside of that to take care of the periphery as well. What's your parting shot for us? Sure, I would say that if you are not sure, and you want to partner with SAP, we do have a program called Open Ecosystem Partner that you can really play a little bit with our partnership and discover where you want to go. Then speak to us and we can help guide you. So you don't want to do this alone. We can also put you in touch with other partners to just also have the discussion to investigate and do your homework. And then once you've decided, you take the plunge and we can help you and handhold you all the, all the way through. 